Ladies, I'm here to tell you that the enemy is real. The battle is real and the fight is for your marriage. We don't see him, but he is there, poking and prodding to cause doubts about God and friction in our marriages. When I finally learned about Satan and his tactics, it changed everything for me. The Lord is well aware of the enemy and tells us that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God not only warns us about this, but he has also provided for us his full armor to fight the spiritual battles in our lives. And ladies, we need it. We need to know who this enemy is, what his tactics are, what our armor looks like, and how to use it. Let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting a loving Christian marriage but are unsure what that looks like or how to get it? Do you have fears about becoming a submissive wife, afraid that you'll lose your identity or become a doormat? Do you have thoughts that maybe you're doing this whole wife and marriage thing all wrong and you want to know how to do it right, to stop worrying all the time and to learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord? Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Christian mentor, Bible teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there, and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to have a loving biblical marriage and what the true meaning of being a submissive wife really looks like. We'll also chat about how to find wisdom and truth for life's challenging questions in His Word, how to apply God's truth to our lives, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day and follow the amazing plan that God has for your marriage, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. a little bit on the enemy's tactics in the last episode, how he puts condemning thoughts into our heads, making us feel that we're bad people, terrible wives or moms, and condemns us for whatever we have done in our past, trying to make us continually to feel guilty and to hold on to these things and to not let them go. But this isn't the only tactic that he uses. There are more. And once we know them, they are more easily recognizable, and when we learn how to use the armor of God has provided for us, then we can stop these battles before they have an opportunity to cause problems in our marriages and in our lives in general. When I was a young wife and mother, the enemy would put thoughts of condemnation in my head, telling me that I was clueless as to how to be a good wife. I wasn't a good mom. I didn't know what I was doing in teaching Bible study. And he would always cause me to doubt things in my life, to doubt myself and to doubt my marriage, to doubt that I was raising my kids well, to doubt that I was truly following God and a faithful believer. At the time, I had no idea that these thoughts were coming from the enemy. So I worried that this was all true, that the kind of wife and mom that I was, the Bible teacher, that I was doing all these things wrong. 
And maybe I didn't really have the ability to do these things well. Maybe I was destined to have a poor marriage or a poor family life that I should stop teaching and have somebody else do it before I like really mess things up for someone or taught somebody something wrong about God. I was invited to a women's retreat in Southern California where I had lived at the time. And I sat in this class taught by Marilyn Hevelin. God certainly led me to her, and she is someone that I will never forget. This is what I learned about Satan and his tactics, and it changed everything. So let's begin with taking a look at who our enemy is. In Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will descend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. So Lucifer, also known as Satan or the devil, he's a fallen angel who desires to be higher than God. He says in here, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the most high. And notice he says that he will be like the most high, not I am like the most high. He wants to be God, but he isn't and he never will be. He's not a part of the Trinity. He's a fallen angel. So he doesn't have the same power and the sovereignty and the all-knowingness that our God has. God reigns over him and he always has, and he always will. And Satan knows the word of God. He knows what scripture says about how it all ends. He's just hoping that it's going to change, that he can change it in some way. And if he can't, then he's going to do his best to bring as many people down with him when he goes. In the book of Job, we read that the enemy wanted to test Job's faithfulness to the Lord. He tells God that the only reason why Job is faithful to him is because of all that God has given him. So let's look at what Satan says in chapter 1, verse 11 of Job. It says, But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. This is what the enemy is looking for. He wants us to curse God to his face. He wants you to doubt yourself, to doubt God and his love for you, to doubt God's power for his, his ability to change your heart or to change your husband's heart and to give you the blessings of a Christ-centered marriage. He wants you to doubt all of those things. And you know what? He has help. The enemy is not omnipresent like the Lord is, so he is not everywhere all at the same time, but the enemy does not work alone. In Ephesians 6, 10-13, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Notice here all the plural words that describe who we are fighting against. 
principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. When Lucifer fell from grace, there were angels who fell with them and followed him rather than God. In Revelation 12, 7 through 9, it says, And a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer, so that the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He has cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So did you see here that? Who deceives the whole world. That's his goal. That's his plan. And his angels help him to do this. In Mark 5, 6 through 9, we read of these unclean spirits that were in one man. It says, When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And this was a man who was demon-possessed. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. An important thing to note here is the submissiveness of the unclean spirits to Jesus. It says that they worshiped him, that they called him Jesus, son of the most high God, and they implored him not to torment them. They know that Jesus has full authority over them, but there were many of them in this one man. As daughters of the king, we can rest assured that when we call upon the Lord to fight our spiritual battles in our lives, he has the authority over the enemy and his minions, and he is victorious. So why is the enemy after our marriages? Why does he want them to fail so badly? A strong Christ-centered marriage is an example of God's design for couples and a picture of Christ's love for the church. It is a model of stability that encourages other believers to stand strong for their marriages. It gives hope to couples that God's way is truly what works to have a loving, successful relationship. The family unit with God as the foundation is a cord of strength that cannot easily be broken. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 talks to us about this, where it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. As you stand with God and your husband, you are that threefold cord that is not quickly broken. The strength, hope, and encouragement of a Christ-centered marriage are all the things that the enemy hates. We have all seen the pain, destruction, and loneliness that an unhappy marriage or a divorce can bring. This is the enemy's goal. This is what he is fighting for and what we are fighting against. 
This is also an area where we can be the most vulnerable because we have emotions that are involved and he can use the smallest crack in our armor of one of the members of the family to affect the entire family. When a husband or a wife are not grounded in the word or they are struggling in a particular area, the enemy uses this to work on that one individual to cause division, hurt feelings, and problems for the whole family. These are hurt feelings and problems that can have lasting effects on our lives and on our children's lives, which is why it is so important to understand who the enemy is, what his tactics are, and how to fight them. So one of the tactics that he uses is thoughts. And we talked about this a little bit before in thoughts of condemnation and discouragement, thoughts that we're not good enough, that maybe we're not pretty enough, that we're not a good wife or a good mom, or that you can't handle the situation that you are in. Thoughts of enmity towards our husbands or towards others. Thoughts that your husband is doing things to hurt you on purpose or because he doesn't care about you. Thoughts that people are against you and that you're all alone. He also gives us thoughts of unwarranted fears about our spouse, about what they may be up to or what his feelings are towards you. Fears about raising our kids or making decisions for their future or for our family's future and fears about finances. He gives us discontentment in our marriages and our jobs or our home life. Thoughts that you deserve better, that you want something different or something more. A focus on self and how your needs are not being fulfilled or your desires and expectations are not being met. He gives us thoughts of shame and guilt about our past, things that are long since over and done with, and you've been forgiven for them, but the enemy continues to remind you, bringing you down. It can also be shame and guilt over stupid things like, oh, should I really be taking this, you know, five minutes to maybe check Facebook or to do a puzzle or, you know, something like that? Or, you know, I should be getting these other things done instead or causing me to question my devotion to God because I might look at something on my phone before I start my quiet time in the morning. You know, these silly things that the enemy will put into our head and make us doubt our faithfulness to the Lord. He does this to me all the time. Drives me insane. And he also feeds us lies about God. He did this with Eve, and he still uses this tactic on us today. Like I said before, the enemy knows the word of God, and he twists it just enough to make you doubt what you believe. Doubt that God does really care about you and love you. Doubt God's faithfulness, or you know, maybe he's faithful to everybody else, but he's not faithful to you for some reason. And that he can't work, or that he won't work in your life or in your husband's life and that nothing is ever going to change. He does all of this to bring you to a place where you no longer want to fight. You no longer have a passion for your marriage or for your husband, and you just want to give up. You no longer have that hope for a better future or having hope that things will ever change. You have stopped seeking God for help and guidance and feel that the only way out is to leave. The enemy is a master at using the right kind of bait to snag you. He knows exactly where your weaknesses are and he uses them against you. And he is also relentless. 
continually poking and prodding at you, feeding you lies and working to increase your insecurities, your anger, your resentment, or your hurt feelings. He's like that nagging child who won't ever stop asking you for what they want until they get it. And if we give in just a little and start listening or pondering these thoughts, and maybe he's got a point here, maybe he's right, then he will pour it on all the more. And before you know it, we are believing the lies. Let me give you an example of one of the more recent lies that the enemy has tried to use on me on more than one occasion. And I have chatted with you about this before and the fact that my husband does the cooking for us. He cooks every night our dinner and I do the dishes. And so many times the enemy has come to me and tried to say, look at all these dishes he used. Look at all the pans or all the knives or all the cutting boards because he uses a lot for some reason. But look at all this stuff, right? And why does he use all this? And maybe you should start cooking and not have him cook and have him do the dishes. And, you know, just all this discontentment and all this stuff. And, you know, I know why my husband does this. He does it because to him, the important thing is to make a meal that tastes good and have it all hot at the same time. That's his goal. It's not to, you know, try to make things difficult for me in washing dishes or anything like that. As a matter of fact, he'll even come help me sometimes. But still, the enemy tries to get that dig in there while I'm washing dishes. He doesn't do it at any other time, just while I'm washing dishes. And I have to go, nope, get away from me. And I'll put music on, I'll do something else, I'll just pray to the Lord and just push those thoughts out of my head because I know where they come from. And I know that the enemy is just trying to cause problems in my marriage. The world is the enemy's domain. God has the ultimate authority and sovereignty, but Satan is the ruler of the world that we live in. In John 17, 14, we read, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. As children of God, we are not of this world. This is not our home. Because the enemy has dominion over the world, he uses it to teach us things that lead us away from God, that leads us away from the truth, and he feeds us lies. The enemy uses what is taught in many of the self-help books or what is taught through psychology or psychiatry to lead us away from God's word and what it teaches us about the truth. We talked about this some in the last episode with the diagnostic labels that psychology or the self-help books will give us, providing for us an excuse for our behavior or for the sins and trying to tell us, well, it's not your fault and so you don't have to take responsibility and therefore you also don't need to change or ask for forgiveness. If you haven't listened to the previous episode yet, then I recommend that you go back and that you listen to it and gain a little bit more insight in this area. The enemy also uses what is taught in our society in that it's all about us. Life is all about me and what I think the truth is and what I think is right. It causes us to focus on ourselves, what we want, what we think that we deserve and how to get it. And I can tell you that there is absolutely no place in scripture where God tells us to focus on ourselves to make sure that we're taken care of and that we're number one and that we have to come first. As a matter of fact, the exact opposite is true. 
This is nothing more than the enemy using the teachings in society to feed us lies. Does this all seem a bit overwhelming? And when we think about that, if we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, well, how on earth are we supposed to fight that? How do we fight back? What protection do we have and what weapons can we use to fight the enemy in this battle for our marriages? Well, the Lord has given us his armor the mighty armor of God. Ephesians 6, 14 through 18 describes this for us. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. God has not left us to fight this battle for our marriages alone. We fight it with him by our side and with the armor that he has given us. In next week's episode, we're going to go through each one of these pieces of armor and to find out what it is exactly and how we use them to fight the spiritual battles in our lives and to protect our marriages. If you haven't yet, you may want to hit that follow button to make sure that you don't miss it. In the meantime, take a special note of what your thoughts are this week. Are they thoughts of conviction or or condemnation. And again, if you're not quite sure of what the difference of those are, then go back to the last episode and have a listen to that one. But again, are they thoughts of conviction or condemnation? Are they thoughts to merely stir up trouble or unwanted fear? Do you have thoughts of discontentment over some area of your life and wanting it to change? Or shame or guilt over your past that you just can't seem to let go of? Do you have doubts about God's faithfulness, who you are in Christ, or his power to change your life? When these thoughts come into your head, pray and ask God to take them away and to reveal the truth to you. Begin to recognize the enemy's attacks, and in the next episode, we will go over all the tools that you need to fight back. See you then. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcast. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the Word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, Ooh, she needs to hear this. Well, then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat, or other women's event? Then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com 
for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, thank you again for listening today and know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you and see you on the next episode.